On today's Reborn podcast, we have Mr. Tim Kennedy himself. Tim is a Green Beret sergeant, an entrepreneur, a mixed martial arts professional, fighter, and author of the new book, Scars and Stripes, an unapologetically American story of fighting the Taliban, UFC warriors, and myself. He has been featured on the History Channel's show, Hunting Hitler, as well as the Discovery Channel's series, Hard to Kill. Tim is the founder of Sheepdog Response, a tactical training self-defense company, as well as the co-owner of the clothing line, Ranger Up. He is also the founder of both Apogee Strong, an online, an online mentorship program for young males, and a K-12 through school called Apogee Cedar Park. You can learn more about Tim Kennedy at timkennedymma.com or by following him on Instagram at timkennedymma. All right, Tim, welcome to the Reborn Podcast. It is certainly an honor to have you on today's episode. How's it going? It's amazing. Fantastic day, early jujitsu, and uh, now it's a long day of work. I was just going to ask you, you just got out of the gym and you're doing BJJ, some rolling? That's right. Yeah. We, uh, today we had, uh, reorg uh, military group out here for no gi. And then this morning I taught the 6 a.m. jujitsu class. Oh, nice. You're a, you're a, an instructor now too for BJJ. Have you been an instructor? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm a three stripe black belt under Hoyler Gracie. So yeah. So yeah, you're <laughs> teaching. So are you, are you, uh, so you have a lot of kids, four kiddos. I have, I have four children. Yes. Okay. And, uh, they are amazing. Do they come to class with you? Uh, my, my, I have two big grown daughters that are in college and they do whatever they want to do because they're adults. So I can't force them to do anything anymore, but, uh, they do, uh, train a little bit of self-defense, a little situational awareness and occasionally some jujitsu. And then the seven-year-old, um, he's probably the most frequent jujitsu practitioner. Mm, very cool. So I want to, I want to talk a little bit about the Tim Kennedy, uh, I don't know. Let's talk about Tim Kennedy about a decade ago. Let's talk about whenever you were competing, you were in the ring, you're fighting. And mm-hmm. then you were also a green beret. Were you mm-hmm. doing that? at the same time. Mm-hmm. And how was that? How was that for your, like, how were you, how could you switch the gears going on like into combat and, and fighting than in the rink? Uh, they're like one, one's a sport and the other one is, is the worst thing that humans can do to each other. Yeah. So, um, I, I in you know, in my mind, I, I don't, see them any sim like any similarity between them i realize mm-hmm. from like normal people looking in they're like both violent behaviors yeah. but um like there's very little in common besides you have to be in shape to do both mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. can you give us an idea of like what your your day looks like now yeah uh so we're 5 30 um pound a big huge glass of water grab my gi, head to the gym teach a um a 6 a.m jujitsu workout uh, go home, make breakfast for the kids, uh, wake them up and then take them to school. Then I go and do my strength and conditioning as soon as I drop them off. So a little, uh, drop and smash. Then I start my work day. I work from nine, nine thirty until, uh, 
5.30, come home, make dinner for the kids. And then um, kids go to bed, hang out with my wife for a little while. <laughs> she goes to bed and then I work for a few hours. Nice, nice. So I want to, um, <clears throat> your, your day-to-day right now, how it is. Did you everything, and you're very successful, everything that you've accomplished and um, from the schools to the training and uh, everything that you're doing. 10 years ago, did you think that you would be doing everything that you're doing today? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I told my wife before we even got married, you know, I said, um, I'm always going to be able to make money, a Mm -hmm. lot of money. Uh, we're just going to have to choose like, what is, what are our priorities in Mm -hmm. our life? Mm -hmm. And you know, whether I was going to be a professional athlete or I was going to do television, uh, if I was going to be an author, if I was going to be an entrepreneur, um, you know, if you, if you take this, this model, this approach, you're, you're going to be kind of successful. You're going to fail. You're going to struggle. You're going to have hard days just like anybody else. But you know, like the, the trend is always going to be towards success. Okay. And, um, you know, I just didn't know it, it wasn't until I was in my early thirties that I really knew who I was and what I wanted to be. And then once that was clear, then it was just like, all right, all bets are off. You know, the horses are off to the races and, uh, all right, let's go change the world. I think that's good. I really think that the world puts a lot of pressure on us to figure out who we want to be or or what we want to become really early on in our lives. And it takes some time. I mean, I'm in my thirties too. And I feel like I'm just starting to figure out, dude, I don't know. I feel like there's some days that I still don't know what I'm doing or like which direction to go. Right. Cause there's always opportunities and there's always a direction that we can go, but it's, it's choosing the right one and the one that's like most suitable for ourselves and uh, you know, our families. Yeah. As long as, you know, um, in, in that journey, in that, in that process of finding out who you are, you do the right thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're still a moral, ethical person with integrity. Uh, and then regardless of what you're doing, those are just more tools and experiences that you add to your tool belt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in the end of it, you're still a good person. Um, sure you've made mistakes, you've learned, um, you've added more skills and then whatever you, whatever you tackle next, you're, you're just better positioned to, to be successful at it. Mm -hmm. Did you start your rolling career, BJJ and MMA when you were really little? When did that start for you? I I did. Yeah. I started martial arts when I was, I don't know, like five or six years old. Uh Uh-huh. And, and you went all the way. Yeah, I did 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 all the things. Did all got the all things. the belts. You know, yeah, you, did all the tournaments. You and I were on a cover together. Uh, it was the um, I was a side picture of you. We weren't actually in the photo together, but it was a cover of uh, Muscle and Fitness magazine. I don't know. Really? Are you still yeah. Jack? I totally outdid you. By the way, I totally made you look super small. So maybe they should reshoot that cover of you. I'm I'm about to swipe and look and discover this. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'll have to I'll have to find it. I'll I'll have to send it to you. But um, how do you think that your path and your life did you did you specifically quit doing MMA to to join the military because of 9/11? Um, I will say I paused when 9/11 happened. I was already you know a top ten athlete in the world mm-hmm. in MMA and. Uh, I couldn't continue to fight, you know, cause fighting is a very selfish yeah. thing for you to be at the high level. You really have to focus if you're a professional athlete on, on you and your sport competitively. Um, and I, I couldn't live with myself with Americans jumping to their deaths so they didn't burn alive. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of changed directions, went to army special forces 
you know, but once, as soon as I got to the teams, I went back to fighting while I was on the ODA. So when did you write your book? Did you have a new book coming out? Yeah, it came out on Tuesday. It's the number one book on the planet. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. That's amazing. As of today and for for the rest of my life, New York Times bestseller. Um, But, uh, you know, like, right, like currently, as you and I are talking, I have the number one book on the planet. That's really weird. That is so cool, dude. That's amazing. I, I feel like it must feel, you know, like when artists hear their songs on the radio for the first time and then it goes to like a number one hit, you know? That's yeah. pretty incredible. I, I couldn't imagine what that feels like. And, and huge congrats to you. It's cool, uh, but it's, it's more weird than it is cool. And what is the message that you're wanting to convey with that in, in your book, uh, Scars and Stripes, an unapologetically American story of fighting the Taliban? Yeah, so uh, we're living in like the biggest bullshit era of humanity, I think. Uh, where you know it's everything's a, an Instagram filter and a and a Snapchat filter, and I'm curating my my TikTok and my Instagram, and my Twitter to to reinforce my 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 beliefs. And um, you know, there's there's very little real out mm-hmm. there. And then you know, successful people and talented people write these books, and they go on and on and on, and like give all these life lessons, and uh, you know. Th- but everybody's missing the important stuff. Everybody's missing really the thing that is determining success and failure. And it's the thing that nobody wants to talk about. You know, it's that, it's like the human aspect of who we are as a species, like the imperfection, every human in our imperfections and how important those are. And uh, like that book is this vulnerable, transparent telling of all of my failures, mm. all of my struggles, like the most, the biggest moments and because I lived such an extraordinary life and I'm living this crazy, this, you know, driving hard in the paint life that I'm living, the, the stories are in, incredible and they're extraordinary. So, you know, like when you, when you read about my losses, it's in front of millions of people. Right. You know, when you, when you read about my struggles, you know, it's, it's published on the, the cover of magazines. And that's like, that's weird, but it's so important right now for people to really see like, there's this somebody looks at me and they're like, Oh, you know, Tim Kenny owns these, you know, these multi-million dollar businesses. And, you know, like he's been on these TV shows and he fought for world titles. He's green bright, you know, and, and like he cheated or he's crazy or there's something special mm-hmm. about me mm-hmm. or there's, it's just not true. You know, like I am the, I'm the worst of us. I promise, you know, yeah. I was born with a heart defect. I was small. I was the last kid to get picked on the playground. You know, I was, I was the least athletic. Um, I was, my very first wrestling tournament, I got pinned in 30 seconds. Boom, single elimination. I'm out for the day. Um, like story after story. And nobody talks about those moments. So what is it that, that happened in your life that, that changed you? What, what was the, the switch that got flipped? What was, what was there's, it? There's no switch. No change. There's no, there's no moment. There's no, like I walked out of the phone booth and I, I opened my chest and I'm Superman. Like, I know, um, I'm still I, I know what it was. Um, it, what it was because you never quit no matter how That's many right. times you failed no matter how many people walked out of your life no matter how many people told you you're stupid you didn't quit yeah and i'm still a the- hairy troll <laughs> i'm still dumb you know i'm i'm still not very athletic and you know like everything else is just just 
just keep going. You know, um, I've been standing on a beach, butt ass naked with a couple of women pregnant. And I think I'm dying of AIDS and I've West into the fog, um, from into the Pacific ocean thinking that, you know, like this might be the end of everything. And, um, so like I've been in the darkest moments of despair. I've been in Afghanistan where, you know, like it's just death all around me and I'm crawling on the ground to try to find bullets. So like nobody can ever say that, um, you know, there's privilege in here or mm-hmm. you know, like I, I, I had one person working and we're living off like twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year on a cop salary when I was a child. You know, like we lived in a, in a tiny little one bathroom house for a family of six. Um, so no, there, you know, there's, there's nothing there. It, it is really just work. I want to talk about your school that you have a little, a little bit. What is the name of your school that you have? Apogee. Apogee. And what does that mean? So Apogee is like to summit something. It's the, it's, it is, um, it's like the crescendo of the song. It is the, you know, if you're climbing Mount Everest and, and you, you've reached the peak of it, that that's the apogee of that moment. Mm. And, uh, you know, like obviously the only way that you're going to have that crescendo in that beautiful piece of music or in your climb to the top of Mount Everest is all of the preparation, all of the work. Um, so apogee is that it is, it is like, mm. it is the peak. It's the pinnacle. It's the, it's the moment of, of realizing done everything to be successful. What inspired you to open up a school? Uh, 2020. (laughs) I mean, no, I was actually on the Jocko podcast and we were talking through, you know, how scary education is now. This is like five or six years ago. Yeah. And um, I was, you know, how school boards are weird and they're putting weird curriculum in and, 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 and at no point in this conversation was it ever clear that the age, the educators were doing the one thing that they're supposed to be doing, which is educating. Like right. they have one job. Yeah. They they're not one, our parents. They're not parents. They got one job. Yeah. Educate those learners. And, uh, then man, they are missing that up, right? They're trying to do everything but that they're trying to tell them how to think. They're trying to tell them how to walk, how to dress, what to wear, what their pronouns are. None of which should exist in a school just education, mm-hmm. right? Give me history, give me math, give me chemistry. But no, no, they got to put a bunch of other stuff in there. So Apogee was, hey, let's just make an environment that is conducive to learning. Yeah. That's it. I love that. Are you ever at the school? Is it close to, it's in Texas, right? Where is it at? It's in- it is. It's about three miles from where I'm sitting right now. I'm in my office uh, right now, my headquarters, and our school is uh, about a, a nine minute drive, eight, okay. nine minute drive. Do you ever pop in and see all the students? I do. Uh, I try to make it in. I, I got deployed for six months this last school year. So I only made it in probably 20 times during the school year. Um, I mean, this last quarter alone, I've been in there more than I was this mm. this last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and this coming year, I plan to be in there a lot more. Mm. So how how is, um, like with the school, is it just an elementary school? Does it go all the way up through high school? Yeah, we're preschool through middle school. Okay. And then um, from middle school on, we have a, a program for young men called Apogee Strong. Mm. And it's a young men mentorship program that is supposed to complement, um, you know, wh- whatever school that high schooler is going to. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, well, dude, you have so much going on. Um, let, I want to, I want to go back a little bit. I feel like we're kind of jumping around just a little bit. Cause you just have so much stuff. Um, I want to talk about your book, which is like a huge highlight right now. Uh, where is this book available at? 
anywhere. Everywhere that books, yeah, everywhere that, I mean, there's literally like, I was walking through the airport and I was like, try not to look over because there's like a picture of me as I was buying a, ga- uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, a big water. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, like Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Books Million, Indie Books, it's literally like everywhere premium books are sold. Uh, they, uh, they've had to reprint the book twice already and the book came out on Tuesday. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. Such yeah. a such a huge accomplishment. So, besides your book, what is the what is the most proud accomplishment conservatively that you, that you have made so far? The way my kids look at me. Mm. It's um, by you know, the I had calls all this morning, like uh, radio calls all this morning for the book yeah. media tour, and um, my wife knocked out a quick workout. And, uh, we met up for lunch, you know, and, and she, the way her eyes still light up when she looks at me, um, you know, my, my kids, when they come home from school, it is just a squeal of, Mm -hmm. they run to the, through the house, holding that same like dog whistle level scream until Mm -hmm. they find me. And then it's just like giggles, the two-year-old, even now, um, she gets so like emotionally overwhelmed with happiness. Yeah. She like lays down on the ground crying. <laughs> and I pick her up and she's smiling and laughing, you know, but it's that. Wow. How, whenever you wrote your book, how long did it take you to write it? You started it in 2020. Um, and this is your first book? Yeah, this is my first published book. The, first of uh, many? Yeah. yeah, I'm going to write a lot more for you li- sure. Did you like it? Did you find that it was therapeutic? No. No. no, it's horrible. Was it hard? No. Yes. Was it because you yeah, had to go? Memoir. So I, I, I listened, I, I relived and listed every one of the worst and darkest moments of my life. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not fun. <laughs> do you, There's nothing fun about that. Do you think that's important for healing? Um, I think healing uh, really starts on before the damage happens. I know it sounds counterintuitive, you know, but like post-traumatic stress uh, like I can, I just got back from Ukraine a week ago, saw terrible, horrible things. I was in Afghanistan for the fall of Afghanistan in August, you know, but like I'm a healthy person with good, with good friendships and relationships with my family. I don't drink, you know, I don't eat crap. I have great night's sleep. So like my coping mechanisms for me to be able to deal with external stress and, you know, horrible, horrible things. So the healing is really, I'm, I'm already prepared better to deal with those things than most people. And then when those things happen, um, they, I've, I've really healthy ways for me to um, work through the things that I see and do. Mm. Well, how do you balance that though? How do you balance the mental and, and physical demands of being an elite athlete and of, of having the responsibilities of uh, having the businesses that you have and also being a father and a husband? Um, you have to be intentional with how you spend your time. You know, mm-hmm. when I when I listed how, how you know, like what I how, where my day begins and where my day ends, the while you see a long day, the key moments, my kids waking up, I'm there for that. My kids coming home from school, I'm there for that. Yeah, every one of their meals, I'm there for that. Right. Um, you know, like any time that my wife is available, you know, she she works so. The times that I'm going to get her are from the time the kids go to bed until the time that she goes to sleep. 
you know, she's like a nine hour sleeper. I'm like a six hour sleeper. Mm-hmm. So I have three extra hours of work after she goes to bed. What am I going to do with my time after she goes to bed? Am I going to sit there? Am I going to play video games? Nothing wrong with it. If you do, that's not what I do with my time. Right? I'm going to sit there. I'm going to write. I'm going to look at my the strategic business plan for fall. You know, we're 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 already in June, so I'm making sure that our forecasted orders for inventory for Christmas are right. Um, you know, because I'm looking through curriculum for next school year that's going to mm-hmm. start in September. You know, we have one more week of school at Apogee, and we have our business fair this weekend. So, so like, yeah, I got I I'll, I got a lot to do, but is there intentionality and discipline in mm-hmm. the things that I'm doing? Yeah, I think that's really important. Um, you know, people always talk about or complain that they don't have enough time, but what I like to tell everyone, you got to audit your time. You have to audit yourself because people don't realize how many time, like how many, like how much time we spend just staring at our phones or scrolling. Yeah. Like on social media, I have like a heat, like I only get on social media when I'm working. There's every once in a while that I find like, I'm like in the depths of something and I'm like, now I'm looking at somebody's dogs, grandmas, cousins, aunt, like, how did I even get here? But again, it has to be intentional. Um, I'm really strict and structured with my schedule. And that's the only way that I can operate the businesses that I have and also take care of myself. I have three young boys and take care of my boys. And I'm a military spouse and my husband's never home. And it's a lot. And I feel, I feel the pressure. And I think more than anything, how do you deal with all with all the weight of of having to constantly, um, you know, a lot of people look up to you, Tim. A lot of people think that you do have a lot of the answers. A lot of people look for you for not just inspiration, but for your guidance and for your leadership. Do you ever feel like that you just have so much weight on your shoulders, or or, or is this where the team of support and the support of your family and the leaders that you're building around you? uh, come in? Um, a little, a little bit, all of it, the, 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 the leadership part, one of the, one of the biggest fallacies and lies is that the leader knows everything and that the leader has to take everything on his shoulders and that he has to bear the weight. That's just not true. If I, if I walk out my office door right now, sitting right there is Justin Carl, you know, my two executives, I, I can go and share all of the burden with, Mm -hmm. and I can walk with every single one of the associates, every one of my colleagues that are in those offices and every one of them knows what they're supposed to be doing. Right. And they all know that I'm imperfect. Mm-hmm. They know that I'm going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. They're going to know that like, um, the new magazine carrier was a half an inch too thick. So what with a, what was too shallow. So when you run with a full nine millimeter magazine, it falls out. Mm-hmm. Like I made that call. That was my mistake. We wasted a bunch of money designing that fault. And, uh, and that's totally fine. So I never, so that means that I can just be me. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm just being me, faults and all, struggles and all, failures and all, then there is no weight that I'm carrying because I'm just as human as the next guy out there. And I'm still just trying to do the best, uh, you know, to be the best employer, to be the best husband, to be the best, uh, you know, athlete. And mm-hmm. that's internal stuff. Like that's me just trying to be better. But on the leadership side, if I just keep me being me, then everything else to include all my faults. And I don't need to hide those. And I don't need to know everything. And then, then there is no pressure and there is no weight. Um, I like to, there's a saying, uh, you know, people like to follow a leader that's um, 100% authentic than always right. So 
you know, following somebody who knows like that it's okay to be authentic and it's okay to fail. I think, you know, leaders all the time, they're afraid of, of failing and even more so social media and, and our peers, we get a lot of pressure. Uh, people are afraid to mess up. And for me, with my team, I like to say, look, if we're going to fail, it's going to happen. So let's fail fast and then let's pivot and figure out how to make that failure a win for all of us. And it's just like, you know, it's the mentality. And, and people, you know, my team, I tell them all the time that you're going to fail and it's going to be okay. But just own up to those mistakes and let's figure out how to fix them together. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's... there there's. Don't let the failure define you. Don't mm-hmm. wallow in the failure and, uh, you know, keep moving forward and every, it, it will kind of fix itself. Mm-hmm. Did you do any big celebrations for your book launch? Or did you just sit there I, and you're like... Oh. I usually all like I would like I used to like pop like a bottle of champagne and then I I don't know something about just popping a bottle of champagne and then be like woo <laughs> and then that'd be I'm, that. I'm gonna turn this I'm gonna turn this camera over right now. Um, so this is my media day. Yeah, and uh, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Uh, that was my lunch break. Here's you right now. Goes until 8 p.m. and this is my shortest media day since the book has come out. Wow! So, so you yeah, haven't? Had, has it not? Do you think it's has it sunk in yet? Has it truly sunk in? Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm I don't care. Yeah. Are you going to yeah, do book I, signings? I've done like 20. No, you have. 20 yeah. bu- okay. All right. Are you ever coming out to Virginia Beach? I was just around Virginia, um, in in like. North Carolina and uh, all the way up into DC mm. for so yeah, but no, not Virginia Beach. Oh man, well if you ever make it out this way, we would love to have you for a book signing. Um, I, have, I have a coffee whiskey bar called American Brew. This is where I'm doing my podcast at, and it's a full restaurant. So I think it'd be pretty fitting for you and and your book for sure. I would love it. Um, so what's next for you? Oh, I have uh, two more weeks of media. You're like, I, then, you're like, I haven't even thought past today, Ashley. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm booked out through March of next year. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Are yeah. you, are you going to be, um, home for the most part? Are you going back overseas? I'm going overseas for sure. And, uh, for how long and in what capacity is mm-hmm. kind of being defined right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I'm going to be home as much as I can possibly be home. And then when I'm not home, I'm going to try to bring my family with me everywhere. That, and, uh, pretty, pretty crazy next seven months. Yeah. Well, I'm sure no doubt that you can, you can handle it. Um, well, I just want to say thank you for, for being you. Um, is, do do you have any advice for kids right now that, you know, you said whenever you were little, you were picked on a lot. Um, you were the last one to be picked for, you know, out on the playground, what have you. Do you have any advice for kids, maybe parents of kids that you know, maybe they're having a hard time um, just with everything that's going on? Like, what is your advice that you have? And, um, it's, it's wild when you're young because, you know, like time feels like it's standing still like as a seven-year-old like eight seems so far away you know and then as as us as at at our age you know it's just like another year down the tubes yeah it goes by so fast it does um so there's so much life ahead ahead of you and i know it sounds wild but my looking back some of the most important moments in my life were the moments that i was struggling the hardest Mm. And, um, 
and you know, people, we try to dilute it. We try to um, sedate it. We try to ignore it. We try to hide it. We try to, you know, like with, with, with my son crash a motorcycle, he was embarrassed. And, uh, and I was like, rather, what did you go? What did, what happened? You know, and he's like, I front brake too hard. And, uh, you know, the front wheel slid and I was like, I'm sorry, you know, like yeah. we'll go put some Neosporin on your leg. But instead of like running up and be like, Oh, it's okay, baby. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. The worst thing you say, right. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's just like, I know that hurts and I'm really, really sorry. And I know that you're in pain or I know that it doesn't feel good when you don't get picked, you know? And, and, uh, you know, but you're, you're, you're amazing and keep working and don't, don't forget these moments. Yeah. Don't wallow in it. Yeah. But let's not, let's, let's practice. You know, you didn't get pecked first for basketball. Let's go home and practice basketball. Yeah. Get better. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, well, uh, I'm not going to keep you any longer. So I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything else that you want to say to the to the listeners besides buy my book? No, you buy whatever book you want. You know, you're, you're going to get, you'll be on a ride when you read my book. Um, no, just stay safe, stay free. Go get trained. You know, go, go find some people to sweat with and mm. to struggle with mm. so you guys can collectively get better. we got scary times ahead of us. And the only way that we're going to do well in those times is if we have a, a trained and equipped American people. Yeah. Amen to that. All right, dude. We'll go have a great day. I'm not going to take up any more of your time. Uh, thank you so much for spending your time with me today on the Reborn Podcast. And I'm definitely going to check out your book. So awesome. thanks so much, Tim. Take care. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Reborn podcast today with Tim Kennedy. I certainly hope that you enjoyed the show. Please share the Reborn podcast with your friends and family on your social media networks um, or as you feel fit. Uh, Thank you so much again for all the love and support. And I will catch you guys next time on the Reborn podcast with Ironclad. Bye.